Yeah. would have come from. So are we are we keeping it in this higher key? No. In this higher key? So where we want to pick this up? This one, like that. Sure. Okay. Okay. Three and a half minutes for from the day. Three and a half minutes. There we go. How long does it take you to learn a lesson? 
it takes me at least a couple of weeks. Um, so I'm still dealing with this thing. Uh, instead of last week, I thought I had a new wire set up for me, and it was a used one. This week, I thought I had another one, but it plugged into a different kind of battery pack. So there's two weeks I haven't learned my lesson. Just get a new one, right? So I'm going to be dealing with this thing for a while. That's okay, because uh, the message is still brilliant. A, a lot of people got a chance to go to a lot of graduation ceremonies, a lot of graduation parties, of course, and uh, I did too, and it was a lot of fun. Went to one here at the church yesterday for these. Now, I personally didn't enjoy it, but it was great. It was, the food was good, so I appreciate that, but uh, no, congratulations again to our graduates. It's also uh, Memorial Day weekend, and uh, sometimes Memorial Day can be a fun day and a happy day, and sometimes it's not. Um, actually, sometimes it can kind of be the opposite of that. And so I do hope whatever uh, your Memorial Day uh, encompasses, I hope that it is good. I hope that it's good for you. I hope that it's good for your family. And I hope that it's good for, for memories. We're going to talk a little bit about that actually next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to ask the question, what is your memorial? What is your memorial? Or what would your memorial be? And so you can be thinking about those things as, uh, as we prepare for next week. Um, you may not know it to look at me, but I'm a bit of a dancer. Matter of fact, if you saw me dance, you'd definitely not know that I was a dancer. I, I like it. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, nobody else likes it. Nobody else thinks it's good. But I do. And, and, and so when I'm out there, I don't care. All right? I'm dancing. And, I'm, I, and I'm, I, I think I'm dancing well. I'm inventing moves nobody's ever seen before. <laughs> Nobody ever wants to see again. And I'm out there enjoying it. I don't know if everybody else is enjoying the same thing. And I don't know if they're loving it. And I don't know if they like it or hate it. But it doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to me. If I feel like dancing, I dance. According to a recent article in The Hill, only 50% of people in our culture believe that there is a God. And, and, and that's not even to say that the remaining 50% believe in the real God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's not to say that they submit to the authority of the Word of God. I wonder, I've often wondered why that is. And maybe another way to frame the question is this, why is there throughout time, and, and, and don't just take my word for it, you guys can look this up on your own, you can do the research on your own, I encourage you to do so. Why is it throughout time we find a decline in the followers of Jesus in cultures of ease and plenty? But we find an increase in followers of Jesus in cultures of hardship or oppression or persecution. Why is it we find a decline in the followers of Jesus when storms are few? And we find an increase when there are many storms or ongoing storms. 
You see, you may have been tempted to say this or, 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 or kind of think of this towards God, your Father. God, I will follow you if you bless me in the way that I want. Yet, history says exactly the opposite. Exactly the opposite. Generally speaking. Not person by person, but generally speaking. Hardship. Hardship is a part of our lives. Storms are a part of it. Speaking of Memorial Day, you've probably heard the saying, there's no atheists in foxholes, right? Foxhole is a dangerous place. It's a scary place. It's a place you are in the midst of a storm. And there, many people find closeness to God, their creator. Why is it that Adam and Eve had everything presented to them and yet still chose to disobey and separate themselves from God. Why did the Israelites wander for 40 years in the wilderness? Why did Job experience the turmoil in his life even after God said he is a righteous man? You know, if you read through the account of Job, you'll find at the very end, you could skip the end if you want, thinking that you're going to get closure. God never tells Job. Never once, never once tells Job why he experienced the hardship that he did. Never once. That incredible storm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care about us, Father. And we thank you that, that in the midst of difficulty, hardship, or struggle, we know that you've not walked out. That you've not left us. Father, we ask today, now, that you will help us gain the proper perspective to see us through these many storms of life. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to teach. I thank you, Father, that we can read your word that is laid out in front of us. We ask that we are true and accurate to it in all ways. In Jesus' name, amen. You've heard this before. My grace is sufficient for you. This is what God told Paul. Paul was going through a storm in his life, and this wasn't just a storm of difficulty that one is going to notice and get through and then continue. No, no, no. This was an ongoing storm. It was a storm at some point in his life that began and then never stopped. It was just his life from now on, this storm, this thorn in his side. We don't know exactly what that storm was, but we do know that, that Paul prayed to God about it. Please remove this storm in my life. Please remove this thorn in my side. Paul, of all people. And God said, no. Nope. I'm not going to do that. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul knew God. God knew Paul. And they loved each other. And God said, I'm not going to remove this thorn. I'm not going to remove this storm. You see, this is the way sometimes our lives look. And if that's the case, we need to make sure we have our priorities correct. What is the most important thing in your life? I certainly hope if you're sitting here that the most important thing in your life is to know who Jesus Christ is, to follow Jesus, and everything else becomes second in your life. 
Because I promise you, if that's not first, then all these other things that you love, relationships, opportunities, whatever it is, they're not going to find their proper place in your life. You're not even going to be able to express the love that you wish you could if you don't know Jesus. So I hope that knowing Jesus, following Jesus, understanding who He is and what He is, I hope that's the most important thing in your life. Let me ask you, you ever met the, uh, the person whose life is just one big downer? You ever met that person? I'm not talking about any of you, of course. Every day, every moment, every obstacle, every, 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 everything. You know, you've had the conversations. It just seems like everything is a chore. Everything, all I want to do is exist, then die, and hopefully go to heaven. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a lack of perspective and a lack of appreciation. Look, church, the fact of the matter is storm, some storms come and some storms go. And these are the storms we've been talking about so far in life. We see them on the horizon, and we know it's going to be difficult. We know it's going to be hard. We know it's going to be scary, depending on what form the storm takes. But we also know that Jesus still shines, The sun is still shining behind the clouds, even in the midst of that storm. And what we need to do is make it from one end of the storm or one moment, one time in the storm, to the end of the storm, whatever that difficulty, hardship, struggle, that moment in our life, that season in our life is. And then the sun begins to shine even more clearly because of the storm. Here's the problem. Some storms never stop. Some storms seems like they just keep going and going and going and going. You've probably seen this with a physical storm before, a real-life storm. As the front comes through, it's difficult and it's hard and there's rain and there's wind and there's hail and there's all kinds of things at the front of the storm. And then the front passes and we take a little bit of a breath. We got a little bit, it gets a little bit easier. But the rain itself, <laughs> rain hasn't stopped. It's still coming. It's still, there's, it's still cold. It's still a little dark. The clouds are still there. And so we get a little bit of a reprieve maybe from time to time. But we know that storm is still happening in our life. And then a few hours later, it hits a little bit harder again. And then we make it through that. And it lightens up a little bit, but it never completely goes away. The darkness, the storm, the clouds are still there. Sometimes it seems like it never stops. It stretches all day long, all night, all week perhaps. What happens in these storms? Here's the question. What happens when you don't get your happily ever after? What happens in your life when it's a 40-year storm in the wilderness as the Israelites went through? What is the point of that? Church, what if there are storms in our life that we are not meant to get through? What if there are storms in our life that we are meant to endure? We are meant to endure. We need to learn a couple of things about these types of storms um, and our response to them if this is a reality in our life, and it is a reality in many people's lives. Number one is this, God doesn't hate you. God doesn't hate you. If you've been struggling with a storm for a week or a month or a year, 
If you've been struggling with a storm for 5 or 10 or 20 years in your life, that thorn, that something in your life that you'd love if it was just fixed, if it went away, if it was done, if it was gone, if that storm came to an end, even if I know another storm's on the horizon, I just want this storm over. That relationship that you've been struggling with for many, many years. That, that, that physical ailment, perhaps, that you've been struggling with for many, many years. Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus said, nobody. This was done so that the glory of God could be shown in his life. Years and years and years of difficulty and hardship. God doesn't hate you. God is not your enemy. There is a saying, you can, you, you can commit no mistakes and still have storms in your life. When it comes to a perpetual storm that's in your life that has gone on for years and years and years, the simple fact is this, and this, this is a, a problem that all of us address, you and I live in a broken world. We live in a broken creation. Fallen, yes, we call it fallen, but probably the best way to say it is it's just broke. And because of that, everything we go through is not going to be perfect. In fact, sometimes there's stretches or moments, seasons, years, where we see nothing working the way God wants it to in a perfect creation. God created something perfect and we broke it. Now, we like to say that Adam and Eve broke it, but the fact is everybody who sins adds to that brokenness. Anytime something is broken, it's not going to act the way it's meant to act. Hardship, destruction, disease, death, and the like, all of these things are because of a broken world. Not only that, we interact on a daily basis with broken and fallen people. Because of that, we're going to have storms in our life. Sin, church, or evil is a virus that has overtaken this creation due to the rejection of the one who created it. Due to the rejection of the one who made it perfect. So, in this broken world, picture, think about the perpetual storms in your life. Think about the storm that has just been going on and on and on and on. Do not be tempted to say, God hates me. Don't be tempted to say, God has left me, or God has abandoned me, or God doesn't want anything to do with me. I want you to think about some of the effects of simply a broken world. Friendship with God into pride and separation from God. That's the world in which which we live from a full reflection of his likeness to a separation and filled with sin a distorted image of God that's the world in which we live from beauty and tranquility certainly as it refers to the vitality of a godly family to fallenness of confusion domestic strife Sexual identity, confusion, aimlessness. From the dominion of God to the dominion of foolish, foolish humans. Church, you wonder why this storm has raged in your life for a year, five years, 10, 20? It's not because God hates you. 
is because we exist in a manner in which God never designed. We exist in a creation that has been broken. To live in a fallen world means that we struggle with sin on a daily basis, and we experience the result of that in even the lives of others as they affect our lives. Heartache, pain, disaster, natural disaster, lies, injustice, trouble, all of these things. And none of this, none of this, none of this was the plan, the original design, rather, that God had for his creation. We live in a fallen world. So the storms that we face, we know it's not because God hates us. In fact, sometimes it's quite the opposite. This world, church, is going to groan, and it's going to keep on groaning, but it's not going to groan forever. In fact, we're promised that one day that groaning is going to cease. You think you groan? All of creation groans. The person next to you groans. And so we're interacting with groaning people in a groaning creation. And because of that, storms linger. Hardship lingers. So, number one, we need to remember God doesn't hate you. Number two, we need to make sure, if this is an ongoing storm in our life, that we are not feeding the storm. That we are not feeding the storm. Or we're not the cause of this perpetual storm. Same thing. Same question that Job wrestled with amongst his friends. Why is this happening? Take a look at myself. This is what Job did. You know, is there a reason? Am I the one that's perpetuating this due to my rejection of God? Am I the one that's perpetuating this due to my ignorance? Am I the one that's perpetuating this because I've separated myself from God, that I'm the one feeding the storm? Or am I continuing to follow righteousness? Church, we feed the storm when we act like the storm. We feed the storm when we act like the storm. And don't tell me for a second that there's not a temptation in your mind from here or there or a moment or another moment when you don't want to act just like the storm. If the storm's coming at me, whether it's a situation, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's another person, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give as good as I get. Church, if you act like the storm, you feed the storm. It is precisely what God teaches us against to act like the storm. Romans chapter 12, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Don't repay anyone evil. That's just feeding the storm. This storm that's lasted in a relationship or this storm that has lasted in your life, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
Church, if we act like the storm, we feed it. This storm that's been raging in your life for the past 10 or 20 years or 5 years or past year, I don't care what it is. If you're acting like the storm, you are building the very thing you claim you hate. Instead of overcoming evil with good. So if this storm is ongoing in your life, ask yourself, am I the one feeding the storm? First of all, I know God doesn't hate me. That's number one. Number two, am I the one feeding the storm or am I obeying Jesus in the midst of the storm? Third thing you need to ask yourself is this, or you need to remind yourself of, is in the midst of a storm, make sure you have the proper perspective. Make sure you have the right idea of what a storm actually is. You will do yourselves a great favor if you surround your life with a number of different teachers, advisors, your personal board of directors, all right? Let's, let's put it that way. Now, they don't know that they're on your board, but they are. And you've got different people that you talk to. You're in the midst of a storm. You're in the midst of trial. You're in the midst of trouble. You see a storm on the horizon, you're in the midst of a hurricane, or this storm's been lasting for 10, 5, 10, 20 years. And you talk to these people who give you wisdom. Now, I encourage you to surround yourself with the type of person who just wants to listen. You talk, I'll listen. I'm, I'm not going to give you any answers. I'm not going I'm I'm to interrupt. You know, you want to talk, I'll listen. That's a great person. That's a great person to have. I encourage you to have another person on your board of directors, one that's always got a solution to the problem. You've got the issue. You've got the problem. All right, sit down, grab a piece of paper and a pen. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do. This is going to be step one, and then step two, and then step three. I've got, I've got somebody like that in my life. But also have somebody on your board of directors. We're talking about perspectives of storms. What's a storm and what not. Have somebody on your board that loves you enough and cares about you enough to hear you talking about the storms and look you right in the eye and say, well, boo-hoo. Oh, somebody hurt your feelings, did they? You full-grown man. I got somebody like that in my life. He loves me and I love him. I need it. Need it. Church, sometimes storms are storms. Last week, last week we shared uh, a brother in this church or, or, or once attended this church, their family going through a storm in their life, loss of a child. That's a storm. That's a real storm. That's a real storm. But sometimes, church, the storms we think are storms are not storms at all. Sometimes there are molehills that we build into mountains. You know, that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons that we often tell other people, we, we rarely ever tell ourselves this, but we tell other people this, don't spoil your kids. Don't spoil your kids. Why? Because then every difficulty, a hardship, storm that comes along in their life, they think it's just the end of the world as they grow up. Because they failed to understand the importance of gratitude, thanksgiving, they failed to understand the importance of perspective when it comes to things that are difficult and things that are not. Now, that varies by person. But there are some things that we can get through, some things that we can travel, these rough roads we travel in life, and they're simply a rough road that we need to continue to drive down. It's not that God hates us. It's not that we've done anything wrong. 
It's not for a number of different reasons. But we need to have this focus. And we need to realize that this is just a part of life. We must never forget to appreciate the life that God has given us. Every hiccup in the road is not a disaster. We tend to think sometimes I'm caught up day after day, time after time in these storms. Maybe. Maybe. But maybe. (laughs) Maybe you're just walking through an occasional drizzle. Maybe we're just walking through an occasional drizzle. You see, this is why our most important thing, the biggest thing in our life, the most serious thing in our life, needs to be our pursuit and belief and obedience to Jesus. Because that begins to change the perspective of everything around us. We realize that many of the storms we go through are not there to separate us from the most important thing in our life. And for those reasons, we can continue to move forward through the storms. Okay, so we've confronted some of these questions. And if we find that they are true storms, ongoing storms, we know that the best way for us to navigate them we talked about this last week, is to hear the words of Jesus, know the words of Jesus, and to put them into practice. But we may still ask the question, why the perpetual storm? You know, I often, I've, I've done this a lot, and I've referenced him a lot. I read this passage a lot. Go to the words of Agur in my life. When it comes to my desire, when it comes to my perspective and my mission, Proverbs 30, I love this. He says this, two things. Two things, God. Two things I ask, don't refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me. Look, he says, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. I don't want you to get too fixated on the material side of this example. It's just as easy. It's an easy thing to use as an object lesson. We could very well say to many, you know, don't give me too many sunny days. We could just as easily say, don't give me too many victories. Don't give me too much opportunity. Don't give me too much self-righteousness or ease or comfort or power or apathy. Don't, don't, Don't present this world as though I don't have a care in the world. Do not let me assume that I accomplish what I accomplish by my own strength or my own ingenuity. In other words, do not spoil me, God. This is what this wise man is saying. Do not spoil me, otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Storms are gift. Storms are a gift, church. Otherwise, we may have too much. Think to ourselves, who needs God? Who needs His protection? Who needs His wisdom? Who needs His provision? You see, we get to a place, church, where we forget that God is God. Without these storms, we get to a place where we think we are God. That we have done it. That we have mastered it. That we have figured it out. See, this is why Paul says God uses the foolishness of man to preach the gospel so that the one preaching the gospel will not assume that it's by his strength or his power. 
The storms are a gift, church. You don't want to ask the question, who is the Lord? You want to know who the Lord is because you rely upon Him day after day after day after day. That you lay down at night and you think, the only way I'm going to get up tomorrow is by the power of Jesus Christ. You see, that's the closeness. That's the closeness you can build between you and Christ in the midst of the ongoing storm. It is by your strength and your strength alone, we say to God. You see, even if it takes a constant storm like the Israelites of 40 years in the wilderness so that I may see the face of Christ, then so be it. Because after all, we asked at the beginning, what's the most important thing in your life? If that's not it, then forget about everything I've said, okay? Don't worry about any of that stuff. Figure out your own way. Good luck to you. If knowing Christ and following Christ is the most important thing, then we can see in the face of these storms the closeness that God draws us to, the reliance upon Jesus Christ. We look at storms as the enemy all the time. Storms aren't necessarily the enemy. Sometimes storms are the exact medicine we need in order to repair this life. You see, facing or seeing the face of Christ is the happily ever after you were looking for. It's not gone, church, even if you're in that ongoing perpetual storm. It's not gone. It's just not here yet. It just hasn't arrived yet. And Jesus loves you too much to let you turn your back on who he is and what he is. You see, which, by the way, is also why you will notice, you'll observe sometimes different intensities of storms. You'll notice different intensities of storms in other people's lives as opposed to your own. You'll notice different moments, different times, different lengths of storm. And sometimes there'll be those going through a storm, and you won't even know they're going through a storm. Why? Because they realize, they realize this is just a hiccup in the road, and I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep following Jesus. I'm going to keep relying upon Jesus. This isn't the end of the world. The end of the world is for me to turn my back on, on Christ. This isn't the end of the world. Some of these perpetual storms that have just been raging for a long time in your life have kept you close to the reliance upon Christ, maybe even without you knowing it. We look for Jesus. We look for the sun in the midst of the storm. All of this really is to say the same things James did. He writes this. We've read this many times before, James chapter 1. It's just all saying the same thing. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. This is not turning your back on God. This is relying on God. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Here's the thing, church. If you love Jesus, 
If Jesus is the most important thing in your life, storms are going to happen. Sometimes they're long storms, sometimes they're short storms, sometimes they're storms you can even see the backside of as you go into it. Sometimes they're storms that are lasting for a year, five years, or ten years, long seasons in life. If you follow Jesus, if you love Jesus, there are going to be storms in your life. If you pray for wisdom, be ready for the storm. If you pray for patience, be ready for the storm. If you pray to God, give me perseverance, he says, all right, here comes the storm. Give me courage. Give me strength. Right? We've talked about this. He doesn't own a magic wand, does he? He, doesn't, he, doesn't. he says, all right, be ready for the storm. If you follow Jesus, there's going to be storms in your life looking for self-control, healing, opportunity, no matter what it is. The only way to avoid storms in our life, church, is to avoid Jesus. So if I can't avoid the storms... And I don't want life to be one big problem, bereft of joy and peace that we are commanded to pursue. And the fact is, church, I've got to learn to sing and dance in the rain. That's got to be a part of your life. Just lock it into your head, into your heart. I'm not waiting until the storm's over to go singing and dancing. I'm going to learn to sing and dance, and worship, and praise in the rain. I don't know what your dance moves are like. I don't know what your singing voice is like. But I guarantee God, your Father, who loves you, loves to watch you sing and dance in the rain. Because then we realize, we know that this isn't the worst. This isn't the end of life. This isn't a rejection of Christ that we can still praise Jesus even when the sun seems to be behind the clouds. Because you know the sun's still there. And it will break forth someday. You're going to be able to see it in ways that you can't possibly imagine now. You've got to go through life just deciding, I am going to sing, I'm going to dance in the rain. Because the storms will come. Storms will come. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that you, there are storms in our life that draw us closer to you. We thank you that there's storms that, that don't always have a hard end to them. Father, I ask that you will help, you help the decision of our will to just sing and dance even in the midst of these storms to praise you in the midst of the hurricane, to know that there is a closeness that we need because of these storms. There's a reliance that we need because of these storms. Father, I'm not going to pray for storms all the time. I don't, I don't want it all bad. I don't want it all sad. And I don't want it all angry. and I don't, I don't want everything like that. But Father, I do want you to do in my life what you want to do. Whatever form that looks like, whatever form that takes, and that I will praise you, I will sing, I will dance, even in the midst of it. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing. Desperation, I turn to heaven.
I had a, uh, I wanted to go through Psalm 73 a little bit today, and I told Mike, we'll just uh, maybe stick with handheld from here on out. Makes me kind of look like Frank Sinatra, doesn't it? That's what you were saying. That's what you were saying, Lori. little Frank Sinatra action up here. Maybe we, no. Fly me to the moon. This is uh, certainly it's graduation season. This is also Memorial Weekend and uh, more Memorial Day, things coming up. Um, sometimes Memorial Day is um, filled with joy. Sometimes Memorial Day is not. Uh, but I think it's important um, to, you know, uh, observe Memorial Day. And I hope that Memorial Day is, is good for you, whatever that, whatever that word good means. Sometimes it's filled with joy and appreciation, sometimes filled with tears. Um, but I think that those things are, are important. Next week, we're actually going to talk about that a little bit. Um, really, what is or what would you want? What could be your memorial? What does that actually look like? What is the significance uh, to that? And uh, how our memorial can be not just things, but they can actually be people in our life. Um, and so I want you to be thinking about that. Today is our, uh, our last day of storms. And I should probably save this for another, uh, for another couple of weeks, but uh, it was just an interesting thing. I, I had to walk out here just a minute ago for a moment. And I saw my dad-in-law serving communion, and it was a normal thing, you know. Um, and as I walked out, I thought, you know, not everybody has that. Not everybody has that gift in their life uh, that I've been granted uh, to see those types of things. And so I appreciate that, and I appreciate Mike and everything he does. And Part of his life is other people's lives, and part of his memorial is other people's lives. And... Um, well, anyway, we'll talk about that next week, but, but I want you to be thinking about that as we move forward. Um, you may not know it to look at me, but I'm a bit of a dancer and a singer. That's right. You may not know. Now, if I actually did dance, you wouldn't know at all that I was a dancer, all right? It would be offensive to everyone in this room. Uh, and, uh, but I like to, I like to dance and I like to sing and, uh, sometimes people recognize it for what it is. Sometimes people don't, um, but it doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me. I don't care if the whole world doesn't like it. I'll still do it. Uh, sometimes we need to. Sometimes there is part of our life, our mind, our heart, what we are that needs to express joy in those ways. And there's nothing wrong if that's, uh, way you express joy, singing and dancing. I like the picture of, uh, of David dancing before the ark as it comes back to town, comes back into Jerusalem, and people around him hated it, and they said, I can't believe you're dancing, don't do this stuff, you know, that's ridiculous. And he says, oh, I'm going to embarrass myself a lot more than this uh, when it comes to my joy, when it comes to my celebration before Jesus Christ, before the Lord. Uh, sometimes it's good to sing and it's good to dance. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it's necessary. And, and we need to begin to, to ask the question, 
is singing, dancing, things like that, is it important? Is it a part of my life? I think we need to ask ourselves the question, what in fact is the most important thing in my life? I hope that the answer is to know and honor Jesus Christ. I hope that's the answer. Because I'm telling you, if that's not the answer, then everything else that's important to you, you're not going to do the right way. Oh, you'll muddle through, and there'll be good days and bad. But every other important thing is never going to be um, uh, focused on. It's never going to be dealt with. It's never, going to, it's never going to be lived with the way it ought to be without the most important focus in our life being Jesus Christ, Him crucified, and our obedience to Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You that You love us. We thank You, Father, that You expressed that love portion of that love uh, through Jesus Christ, through His death, through His resurrection. Father, I thank You that there are many, many instances in life that become difficult, become hard, and yet You don't walk out. You don't leave us. I thank You for Your faithfulness. I thank You for Your steadfastness. I thank You that that's, that's, a, that's a, an extension of Your very nature. I thank you, Father, and I ask that you'll help us today gain the best perspective that we can. I ask, Father, that you will help us to be true and honorable to your, to your word and accurate to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Romans 12, if you will. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time in Romans 12. I'm actually jumping around a couple of different places today, but this is our last message in... Our storm series, the fact that the sun is still shining behind the clouds of the storms of your life. In a recent article by The Hill, only 50% of people in our culture believe that there is a God. And that's not at all to suggest that the remaining 50% believe in the real God. God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit. That's not to suggest that the remaining 50% Submit to the authority and power of the Word of God. And I often wonder, maybe you've wondered, why is that? Why is that? Why only 50%? And again, even that 50% that remains really doesn't give us a, the most accurate picture. Perhaps another way to ask the question is this. Why is there, throughout time, don't take my word for it, you guys could do the research on your own. But why is it that throughout time, we see a decline, not an increase, we see a decline in the followers of Jesus Christ in cultures of ease and plenty, but we see an increase throughout time, throughout the world, throughout time, an increase in the followers of Jesus Christ in cultures of difficulty, oppression, and persecution. Why is that? Anybody have any idea? I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Doesn't make much sense at all. In fact, you've probably been tempted. I know I've been tempted. I don't know if I've ever fallen through with this temptation, but I know I've been tempted. Maybe you've been tempted to say something like, well, if God will bless me in a certain way, then I'll follow him. <laughs> bless me first, God, and then 
I'll honor you, respect you, and I'll follow you. And sometimes we're tempted to say that, but history has proven time after time after time that that's simply not true. Why do those things happen? For that matter, why is it that Adam and Eve had everything and still denied their obedience to their, their Creator, separated themselves from God? In fact, hey, we're, we're talking about Memorial Day. Why is there such a saying as there are no atheists in foxholes? Where does that come from? You know, the danger, the hardship, the struggle of the foxhole. Why did the Israelites wander in the desert for 40 years, wander in the wilderness? Why did Job experience the turmoil that he did in his life and was never given an answer? Again, you can read the end of Job if you want to. You can read the end of the book first, see what the, the reason is, see what the answer is that God gives Job, and you'll find nary a word. Never once does he tell Job, this is why you went through what you went through. Job never finds out, ever. It's a difficult book to read, a lot of poetry and things like that in there, but the end is that. God never actually explains to Job. These are things that we can confront, and they're probably questions that we've asked throughout time. And then we reflect upon our own life, the ease or the difficulty, the good days or the bad days, and wonder why these things happen. Why does it seem that sometimes there are storm after storm after storm? Why does it seem that sometimes there is a perpetual storm that we can never find the end to? You've probably heard uh, uh, Paul, right? Paul asking God three times, I pray to take away this thorn in my side. Three times I prayed to, to end this storm, whatever it was in my life. And God to his servant Paul, the great evangelist, said, no, nope, I'm not going to do that. This is Paul. After all, Paul loves God, God loves Paul. Paul says, look, I've got an ongoing storm in my life. This has been got at some point in his ministry, at some point in his life. This was a major issue. And he says, this storm I want to be relieved of. This has been going on and on and on and on and on. And God says, nope, nope, I'm not going to do that. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. You ever met the person who, uh, who thinks life is just one big chore? Just one big chore. That's all it is. Just, just, just one big problem. You know, and they get up and it's day after day. See, life is just one big downer. And all they're doing is just, just waiting to die and hopefully go to heaven. I mean, that's this, this mentality it seems like they have day after day because they focus on or think that the different hardships and storms in their life is somehow a problem, somehow that God is hating them or separating himself from them, and they're being picked on day after day after day. You've talked to people like this. Of course, there's nobody in this church like that, right? But you've probably talked to people like this. that just a downer. Every day is just another problem. Their sense of appreciation for the life that God has given them doesn't exist. Every molehill is turned into a mountain every time. And never once do they step back and ask the question, what am I learning and gaining 
from this difficult time or these storms that happen in my life. Look, some, some storms come and go. And we've been talking about those storms in life. Even after storms go, if you have any sense, you know that there's probably another one on the horizon. We learn lessons in these storms, storms that we've been talking about. We see the power of God. We see the provision of God. We are disciplined in these storms. We are corrected in these storms. Our faith is built in these storms. And often those storms change us, or they change a part of us. And then they pass, and we have survived. We see the storm. It's a difficult time. It's a difficult moment. It's trouble. It's something on the horizon. We're in the middle of the storm, and then that storm goes by. We're changed by it, and we bask in the relief after the storm. What about the storms that don't end? And you've probably experienced this in a, in a physical way with a, with a regular storm. You ever see the storms that blow through, and at the beginning when the front comes through, it's harsh, and there's rain, and there's wind, and temperature drops, and there's hail, and there's all kinds of issues, and there's all kinds of problems. And all of a sudden, well, after a while, the front of the storm passes, and you and I, we get a little bit of relief. But the rain doesn't actually end. It's still coming down. It's still there. It's still hanging on. Not every day is horrible. But even on the good days, the rain seems to still be falling. And then if you wait a little while longer, sure, sure enough, here comes another wave of, of hard storm that dumps even more water and rain and lightning and clouds and so forth. And then that passes, yet, yet the rain still continues. And, and the, the sky is still darkened. Even then, it's still kind of hard to see the sun. Maybe there's storms in our life like that. Things that have gone on for a year, five years, ten years, twenty years. Maybe it's something in a relationship. Maybe it's something, uh, a physical ailment. I mean, it just, it just runs the, you know, whatever it may be. It's just a lot of things that it could be. And these storms just never seem to stop. This one storm never seems to stop. Stretches all day, all night, all week, all year, many years. What happens in those storms, huh? Because... Every storm we've looked at so far, the storm blew up, and then it passed. But there are storms that continue. What happens when we don't get our happily ever after? Why wouldn't we get our happily ever after? Why wouldn't we get to the end of that storm that comes through? What happens when you and I have to wander in the storm of the wilderness for 40 years? What's the point? What if there are storms that we're not meant to get through? What if there are storms we are simply meant to endure? We are meant to endure, designed so that we could endure them. We need to learn a few things about our response to these types of storms, these storms that just tend to go on and on and on and on. A couple of things um, in our response to them. Number one is this, God doesn't hate you. God doesn't hate you. God is not picking on you. If, if there's a storm that seems to be going for years and years, God is not picking on you. It's not as though He's evil and He's just making life bad for you. You know, there's a saying, you can commit no mistakes and still have storms in your life. When it comes to perpetual storms that we might be facing, the simple fact is this. You know this is true, and if you don't, well, you're not going to learn it for the first time. You and I live in a broken creation. It's broken. 
Whatever you experience, the world around you, creation around you, even in your own hearts, in your own minds, because of the fallenness of man, is not the way it was created to operate. You think you know about creation? We haven't even seen creation yet. Not the real one. Not the completely healed one and total, total creation. We live in a broken creation. And we broke it. A lot of people say Adam and Eve broken. That's fair enough. But every time we sin, we add to the brokenness. And anytime something is broken, it's not going to act the way it's meant to. Your life is not going to be experienced the way it was originally meant to be experienced. It, you've got to accept it. Hardship, destruction, disease, death, and the like. I mean, it just again, that just runs the gamut. We also, on top of that, we interact on a daily basis with broken and fallen people. Why do we think there's not going to be storms? Why in the world would we consider not having a storm? Sin or evil is a virus that has overtaken this creation due to the rejection of the one who actually created it. We are the painting, and we say to the painter, we don't need you anymore. We don't want you anymore. We were the work of art. And then the painter, we separate ourselves from the painter, and the painting begins to fail. There's a big difference in what was and what is. We went from friendship with God to pride and separation from Him. Our full reflection of His likeness has been changed, shattered, distorted. So we face storms in life. Obedience to God. There used to, it, was, it was joyful obedience. That's the way that was with Adam and Eve. And now... It's just a drudge, obedience to God. Beauty, tranquility, vitality of a godly family has been replaced in a fallen world, broken world, cesspools of confusions, domestic strife, different things. From dominion as God's trustees to selfishly kicking God out. To live in a fallen world means that we're going to struggle with sin on a daily basis, and because of that, storms are going to arise due to us and due to others. We experience heartache and pain. We witness even natural disasters because of a fallen world. Injustice, falsehood, discord, all of these things are commonplace. And none of this was God's will, this original plan for humanity. We live in a broken world. It's not always going to be broken. It's not always going to be broken. But right now, if you're wondering why, it seems like it's storm after storm after storm, or it's a perpetual storm, just never completely ends. We live in a broken world. The Bible says the creation groans. All of creation groans. You and I groan. We interact with people that are groaning. You're sitting beside somebody who's groaning right now. Not out loud, but they're groaning. Right? And because of these things, storms are commonplace. But this world's not going to groan forever. God doesn't hate you. In fact, quite the opposite. God loves you, and He is leading us through a broken world. So the first thing we need to realize when we face these perpetual storms, God does not hate you. 
He is not picking on you. He has not chosen you to just have a horrible, rotten life. We have chosen to condemn creation. That's what we've done. And part of that comes storms. The second thing you need to remember is this. Make sure, if you're facing this ongoing storm, examine yourself and make sure you're not the one that's actually perpetuating the storm. <laughs> make sure you're not the one that's actually feeding the storm. A lot of people have a hard time doing this. We can pick out people all, all day long outside of us who are feeding the storm, but sometimes we don't want to say that we are feeding the storm. This is the same question, really, that Job was asking. The same question Job wrestled with. Why is this happening to me? That's, that's, that's the question. That's the question of Job. Why are these things happening? We feed the storm, church. And by the way, Job was a righteous man. Even God said this. But we feed the storm when we act like the storm. We feed the storm when we act like the storm. And don't think for a second that I don't think people in this room have been tempted to act like the storm. I'm going to give as good as I get. Why? Because I'm me and I'm filled with pride. I'm going to give as good as I get. I'm not going to let this get me down. I'm not going to let them take advantage. I'm not going to let this. I'm not going to let that. I'm not going to let room for God's vengeance. No, no, no. I'm going to take this into my own hands. When we act like the storm, church, we feed the storm. Whether it's an issue, whether it's a problem, whether it's a relationship, whether it's other people, we add to the brokenness of the world. We say that we hate it, and yet it's gaining its strength from you. Don't be the ones who perpetuate the storm. Romans 12, starting verse 17, what does, Roman, or what does Paul say? Do not repay evil for evil. You're just adding to the storm, church. You're just adding to this ongoing storm in a relationship, whatever it may be. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. This is obedience to Jesus Christ. Hear His Word and put it into practice. We learned last week, this is how you withstand the storms of life. Those who hear my words and put them into practice, their house doesn't fall. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. That is a command, church, not a suggestion. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If there is a continual storm in your life, examine yourself and make sure you are not the one feeding the storm. Third thing we need to do is this. We need to make sure we have the right perspective when it comes to different storms in our life. Uh, you're going to do yourselves a great favor, I think, if you, if you put people around you who help you see. Help you see what Jesus wants. Help you see what's important and what's not important in life. Um, and and they, they, they come at it from different angles, different walks of life. I've got people in my life. They're, I talk to them. I write to them. I call them up. You know, they're, my, they're my personal board of directors. Okay? They don't know it. We don't have any meetings or anything, but but they're my board of directors. And I got people on my board of directors that I'll call up in the midst of a storm. And, 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 and one, one of them just, just listens, you know? That's, that's to empathize, right? Um, he just listens. He says, well, you, you tell me about it. I'm not going to try to come up with an answer. I'm not going to try to butt in. But, but if you want to tell me about it, you tell me about it, and we'll sit here, and I'll just listen all day long. And people like that are needed. People like that are needed. I, I've got another 
person in my life that, I, that is the answer guy. And, and I'll call him up, and he, he's not there to, to listen. All right, that's, that's somebody else. He's there to give me an answer, and he knows that's why I'm calling him. All right, here's the storm. Here's the issue. Here's the problem. Here's what I've been dealing with. Okay, I've heard you sit down and get a piece of paper and a pen. Here's what you're going to do, step one. And that's his job. That's what he does in my life. And I've got other people in my life. I've got one person in my life when it comes to perspectives of storms, and if, you do, if you're, you're going to be smart if you do it. He cares about me enough. He loves me enough that I'm able to talk to him about the dangers and the difficulties and the struggles and the hardships and the storms that are constantly plaguing me. And he says, well, boo-hoo. And sometimes that's the most refreshing thing in the world. You talk about giving you courage and strength. When you have somebody who loves you in your life and they say, quit whining. Somebody hurt your feelings, did they? You full-grown man. And he loves me. (laughs) See, now I'm tempted to tell you who that person is. I love him. I'm not going to tell you who he is. His initials rhyme with David Watkins, but I'm not going to tell you who he is. <laughs> and it's refreshing, and, it's, and it's, we need this. Church, when you're facing storms in life, sometimes you need to make sure you have the right perspective in that storm. Sometimes, again, we'll say that God hates me or God is making it too difficult for me, too hard for me, and God promises that I'm not going to make temptations too hard for you in your life. You're going to be able to withstand the temptation. Now, you may not be able to bodily withstand some of the hardship and struggle that comes along from evil things, but you're going to be, be able to withstand the temptation to deny Jesus Christ, to give up on Jesus in your life. Sometimes we need to have the perspective that life is hard, and this is just another rough road that I need to get down, and I need to continue forward in perseverance. Now, some storms, church, listen closely after having kind of fun with that at the beginning. Some storms are legitimate storms. We, we talked last week about a brother who used to attend here in church who, who's going through a serious storm, losing a child. That's a, that's a real storm. That's not something to, as, as we kind of, kind of laugh and banter, that's not something you do that with. But there are other molehills that we turn into mountains every day. We turn into mountains every day, and then we turn around and say, God, why are you picking on me? God says, son, this is just life. This is just life. We need to make sure we have that right perspective. And this is one of the reasons why, frankly, we say this to other people. We would never really say it to ourselves, but we say it to other people. Don't spoil your kids. Why? Because they forget to appreciate the life that God has given them. And this devolves into every hiccup in the road becoming a disaster instead of a molehill to just hop over and keep going. And we say to ourselves, woe is me. I'm caught up time after time, day after day in these storms. Maybe, maybe. But maybe you're just walking through an occasional drizzle, right? Maybe that's the way it is. 
So these are things we need to address when we look at these perpetual storms in life. If we've addressed those, if we've confronted the questions, we find that these are true storms, or this is a real storm that's ongoing in our life, we know the best way to navigate these is to follow what Jesus says. And if you don't know what Jesus says, it's written down in a book. Read it, okay? Don't go day after day, week after week, time after time, Sunday after Sunday, year after year, and not read the words of Jesus Christ. And then turn around and tell me that that's the most important thing in your life. Okay, it either is or it's not. If he is the most important thing in your life, then all of these storms are going to find their place. And they're going to be navigable. And they're going to be able to be seen through in perseverance, even with joy and singing and dancing along the way. So we know the way to go through these is to follow Jesus, to put his words into practice, but we still ask the question, why the storm? I often, I've done this many times here, I go to the words of Agur and Asaph. These are two different guys, but, but they write in Scripture some incredibly brief and important moments of our life, descriptions of our life. And I've gone to Agur a lot in my life when I look at perspective and mission. And Proverbs 30 says this, Asaph is in, uh, in uh, Psalm 73. But Agor in Proverbs 30 says this, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Now we're asking, why the storm? Why the perpetual difficulty? Why the struggle all the time? He says, keep neither poverty nor riches, or give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much, focus in on this church, otherwise I may have too much and disown you. And say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Don't get too fixated right now on the, the material side of this example. This is just a good, good thing to use for an object lesson. We could very well say, do not give me too many sunny days. We could very well say, do not give me too much victory, too many opportunities, too much self-righteousness, ease, comfort, power, apathy. Do not place me in a position where I don't have a care in the world. Do not let me assume that I accomplish everything I have in my life with my own strength. In other words, Agur is asking God, do not spoil me because the most important thing in my life is you. And I know that if I get spoiled, I'm going to forget you and I'm going to become my own God, you see. And Agur is asking, begging God, for his discipline, you and I might call it storms, struggle, the hardship, the way, the opportunity to persevere through struggle so that I rely upon what you are and who you are. He says, do not spoil me, otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? If it takes a constant storm of 40 years in the wilderness so that I may see the face of Christ, then so be it. See, that's the happily ever after we're looking for, church. Even if there is the constant storm in our life for year after year after year, and we rely upon the power and provision and the value, the mission that Jesus gives us in the face of that storm. We'll get the happily ever after. You haven't lost it. It just hasn't arrived yet. We're still being formed and molded. We're still being changed into the picture of Christ, perseverance in the face of the storm. 
And day after day, through perseverance and the belief in Jesus, through the obedience of Christ, day after day in the storm, you begin to see more and more of that sun that's behind the clouds. You can begin to see more and more of that shining into your life, your life. And then that starts getting reflected to others. See, the goal of everybody is to look in the mirror and not see yourself. The goal of the church is to look in the mirror and see Jesus. And these storms change us. They refine us. They build us. They, they help us grow. They strengthen us. Give us courage. And God loves us enough to allow those storms to happen. He loves us enough to allow what it feels like to actually persevere, to know what we believe and know what we follow. All of this, all of this is really to say that the same thing James says. And we've talked about this a lot many times before. James says this, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance requires storms. Verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. We always look at storms, or we have a tendency to look at storms as bad, storms as negative. Church, there are many times storms can be the exact gift that you're looking for, the exact gift you need. Here's the thing. If you love Jesus, storms are going to happen. If you love Jesus... There's going to be storm after storm, or there's going to be big, long storms of perseverance. And they're going to come in your life. The only way to avoid the storms is to avoid Jesus altogether. If you were of the world, the world would love you, right? If you were of the world, the world would love you. The only way to avoid the storms is to avoid Jesus. If you want to be like Christ, if you pray for wisdom, you're ready for the storm. Right? We've, we've talked about this before in the past. God doesn't own a magic wand. If you pray for wisdom, be ready for the storm. If you pray for patience, be ready for the storm. If you pray for perseverance, for strength, for courage, forgiveness, knowledge, opportunity, self-control, healing, whatever it is, be ready for the storm. Because Jesus says, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you what you're asking for. And it comes in the face of that storm. Church, you face storms all day long. God doesn't hate you. He loves you. He's going to make sure he hangs on to you clear to the end. So if I can't avoid the storms, and I don't want life to be one big problem, one big, choy, cho one big chore, bereft of joy and peace that we're commanded to pursue, then church, I have got to learn to sing and dance in the rain. you got to learn to sing and dance in the rain. Because if you're going to wait until the storms are over, you're going to go through this whole life never knowing what it is to praise and worship Jesus Christ. You're going to go this whole life never realizing what it is to truly experience joy in the midst of hardship. Joy in the midst of hardship, that is peace. You've got to learn to sing and dance in the rain. You can't wait for the storms to be over. 
you got to realize that Jesus created you and he loves you and he made you for a reason, for a purpose. And not only has he done that, even with all of your sins and all of the problems and all of the mistakes that you have made in your life, Jesus went to the cross for you and he says, now from here on out, I'm bringing you home. I'm giving you your happily ever after if you accept that kind of a gift. Church, storms are going to happen. Learn to sing and dance in the rain. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you for who you are. We love you, Father, that you care about us enough to allow us to persevere in faith. You allow us to persevere in our obedience to Jesus. We thank you that you love us enough that you don't spoil us. We thank you, Father, that you keep uh, the, the, you, you provide for us, you, 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 you protect us, our hearts, our minds. But Father, we also know that you discipline us, and we know that you correct us, and we know that you challenge us in our lives. Father, we thank you for the storms. We thank you for the storms because we have Jesus, and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that the sun still shines. No matter what happens, no matter how dark the storm, no matter how strong the wind, that Jesus is still on his throne. He sees us. He loves us. Father, help us to always look for the sun, always look for Jesus behind these clouds, to persevere day after day. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for those moments of reprieve, and we celebrate those moments. And, Father, we, we, we like those moments. But, Father, we also know that storms happen and they're going to continue to come. Help us to always see Jesus. Help us to be able to sing and dance and praise and laugh in the face of the rain. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and sing. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven Misspoke your name into the night And through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows
came the morning that sealed the promise. 